0: Welcome to the Wanderlearn Learn Podcast. I'm your host Francis Tapon and in this episode I'll be interviewing Travis Pittman who is the CEO of Tour Radar. Now look, I'm the first person to be pretty skeptical and resistant about doing any kind of tours. So I was like, you know what? I just don't do tours. It's just not me. I just do independent travel. It's not that I have anything against tours, I just don't do them. But I feel like I gotta give Tour Radar a chance. And I'm asking you guys to give them a chance too. And I'm glad I did, because in the end, I learned a lot. I was pretty impressed by what Travis is building up. He talks about how Tour Radar actually makes money, what errors that people make when booking a tour, what kind of recourse you have when the tour gets completely screwed up, how he actually got started, all the different avenues, all the different things he tried. And in the end, he talks about the strategic direction of where they're thinking about going. It's a pretty interesting episode, even for a tour skeptic like me. If it interested me, it might actually interest you too. So tune in and enjoy. Welcome to the Wanderlearn podcast. This is tap Tapon. I'm here with Travis Pittman, who is the CEO of Tour Radar. How are you, Travis?
1: I'm great. Uh, thanks a lot for having me.
0: Yes, great. So right now you're coming in from?
1: From Vienna in Vienna, Austria.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, you start up tour radar uh, with your brother, uh, who's based in Australia. That's what explains your accent,
1: right? Exactly right. So <laughs> probably not as thicker accent as I used to have. But uh, yeah, so I'm based here in Vienna uh, and Sean uh, is based over in Brisbane in Australia still.
0: Okay, so a lot of people still don't know anything about tour radar. And so I want to give yep. them a quick overview of what tour radar is. Like what's the elevator pitch?
1: sure Uh, so tour radar is a platform connecting travelers to tour operators all over the world Uh, so we aggregate nearly a thousand tour operators uh, with around thirty thousand different trips uh, and we make it easier to search compare and then ultimately book uh, life enriching experiences to basically the entire globe
0: okay fantastic now before we lose like some of my audience because a lot of people know (laughs) of me as an independent traveler and a lot of uh, people who like to listen to my podcast are independent travelers themselves so what's in it for the independent traveler why should they care about tour radar if they're like you know what i almost never go on tours what should what how, how, how do you not lose their interest
1: Sure. It's it's actually a, a big preconception that uh, it's one of the biggest things we have to fight uh, is that tours are bad and you have no flexibility and you, you're t- chained to this really boring group and everything like that. And I think the, the key message I'd like to get across is that tours have changed. Uh, Tour operators would not be around today if they haven't adapted with uh, the requests and and obviously uh, the needs of of the the traveler today. Um, So the way I'd like to pitch it is that uh, 70% of the people who book uh, tours with us are actually female um a lot of those are solo female travelers so they like the security the safety uh and one of the biggest reasons is actually friends uh so uh back in the old days when you could be an independent traveler and maybe have a lot of free time to to stay at a hostel for a week or two and and meet people and then go traveling with those people Um, it's not so much the case anymore. So Americans have very limited time off, Australians as well. Um, So you're going in a group where you're actually then uh, basically traveling with some like-minded people. Uh, And we feel that the itinerary that you select pre-selects the people who will be on that tour because if you're climbing Kilimanjaro, you're not going to get someone who's maybe 90 years old and can't walk uh, to actually who's gonna go on those tours. So we like to think that the the tours themselves kind of pre-select and actually get like-minded people on on the trip with you.
0: Now, I notice on your website, you have a section that allows it's, it's kind of geared toward the independent traveler, isn't there like tours that that cater to them?
1: There is, yeah. So it's not the, a big part of what we have, but if you want to go on, say, a self-guided trip, uh, we do have bike tours, for example, through, say, Italy or Tuscany, where you can get like a, you get given a map and you get given a bike and, and you kind of have the route of where you want to go. Um, so there's there's different experiences that you can do independently, uh, but it's not really our bread and butter. You know, it's more about the the group trips where you're joining a group of anywhere between six people and 50 people, uh, and that depends on the type of tour operator. Uh, the type of trip you want to do and obviously where you're traveling as well
0: travis what's the number one thing that a lot of people make mistakes in when they're thinking about tours and picking tours where do people go wrong
1: i think it's around the flexibility side Uh, again coming back to the preconception uh, is that you're chained to a group and it's like you know hour for hour you're on a bus you're off a bus you have no spare time basically all the tour operators these days you'll arrive in a certain city and then you'll have either a day or two to kind of do what you want. And, and they'll say, look, we can offer you these optional activities, which we've pre-organized, you can pay to go on those, um, or you can go off and do your own thing. Um, so I think that's one area that people probably think, look, I'm, I'm going to be chained and I'm not going to actually be able to do my own thing when I get to a place. Uh, and that's just wrong. Um, what the operators try and do is because they're from those local areas, they try and pre-select the you know the best experiences for that region. Uh, and then offer that, you know, and, and try and get people to do those trips as well.
0: Now, this idea of kind of aggregating tours and becoming a one-stop shop for anybody who wants to do a tour is yep. doesn't sound like you're the only guys doing this. And in fact, I know of one or two others, at least, and there's probably even many more. Why is, how do you guys distinguish yourself from the crowd of other aggregators? I don't know if you want to call it aggregators, but consolidators yeah. or whatever you want to call it
1: yeah so i mean you can call us an aggregator an online travel agent a marketplace depends on how you think of things um we we like to think of where we were one of the first movers in Bringing an industry that's uh, predominantly been done offline. So uh, a lot of people have booked tours traditionally uh, with offline travel agents in the high street. Uh, and and what we've done is basically just digitized that and, and made it bookable uh, online. And there's a few competitors out there who are more lead gen. So they're basically connecting you know straight through to the tour operator, and then you're on your own to to deal with the tour operator directly. The problem there—that's how we began. Uh, the problem is—is is the the experience for the customer is that uh, the website is completely different when you go to a little operator or even a big operator. So you're kind of jumping around, and there's no consistency. How do I compare apples with apples? Um, and that's what we feel that. You know we've been uh, doing over the last uh, seven or eight years is actually getting that aggregation but also how do we display that to customers in the easiest way for them to really make the best decision So um, if and, so, if,
0: so if you're a tour operator and you want to get in on tour radar, uh, they have to go in there and input each one of the potential tours.
1: Correct. Yeah. So we, we actually work directly with the operators. So they, they can either give us the information by what's called like a, an API, like a technical kind of integration, or they can log into our system and, and ma- add it manually. Um, so, but we're getting that information, the pricing, the tour itineraries, the the photos, all that stuff comes directly from the tour operator. Um, so yeah, if, if you look at, you know, why, you know, or how we're different, We've tried to do that end-to-end experience from really the landing on the site, knowing nothing about a certain region or any tour operators there, right through to actually providing the customer support around any payment issues you might have or any questions you have about the tour in real time. So we have uh, 24/7 customer support people uh, who are on chat, they're on telephones, basically however you like to communicate with us. Uh, And then we help you basically go through the booking um, and and go through that process so you can pay with your local credit card. So a Visa, MasterCard, Amex uh, or PayPal uh, in your local currency. And I think that's something that hasn't really been done in this industry before is that typically you'd request on a website of a tour operator and then you'd have to transfer some money via a bank transfer and then it's like well is this tour operator actually going to turn up you know can I trust this operator so we're trying to put that sort of safety and security in place that the platform uh, and the social proof through reviews and our curation that sort of thing is why you would want to come and actually book with us
0: so if somebody actually takes a tour with you and afterwards they have a chance to write a review of the entire experience and then that kind of works like ebay for example
1: exactly and also uh, booking.com where you go you book the hotel you actually write a review after Uh, also we're a bit more in the TripAdvisor direction where you don't have to have booked with TourRadar to, to have left a review. So we actually allow people who haven't booked through us to still leave a review with us. Uh, and we basically, you know, we confirm via uh, the email address if they're a real person, we've got checks in place for fraud, that sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So we really try and make sure that yeah, we're highlighting, you know, real customer feedback from people who have been on these trips before at the tour level, not just at the operator level as well, because a tour operator can offer very different experiences depending on where they are
0: yeah. fair enough and and i imagine one thing i don't know if you do it but one thing that i think amazon does well i know they do is that they have a verified purchase badge yep. do you guys <laughs> do the same thing
1: uh we don't but it'll be something that that is coming yeah so we're doing some pretty big uh changes at the moment and that'll be one of the things yeah
0: okay and then what other things are coming down the pipe that you would like to kind of take tour radar and where do you guys want to go and, and in what direction
1: yeah so I, when i think about the marketplace uh it's about selection so it's about can we get the biggest selection, the best selection for uh, the travelers to to know, okay, I've got a full visibility or full view of what I can do in this certain region or for this certain travel style. Um, And that's what we're trying to do is we're really wanting to get as many tour operators as we can, um, who offer great experiences into the platform. Um, And in terms of the user experience, uh, where, you know, really wanting to overhaul the the look and feel of radar. we've we've kind of uh, been doing uh, not so much on the on the front end, but that's going to be a big change we're going to be doing. So making it easier to to discover things to make our search and discovery side of things better and mobile. Um, so obviously, everyone's using mobile these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're starting on the bus home from work, you know, researching that sort of thing. Uh, and our mobile is okay, but we want to make it even better. Uh, but also do a mobile app. So uh, we've been humming and harring, do we do one do we not and we finally worked out, you know, what is the path we want to take. Um, so hopefully in the you know first half of next year we should start to see a mobile app come out on our side.
0: Yeah. So 2019, uh, you'll around maybe June or so. By then there should be a mobile app.
1: That's correct. Yeah. I mean, to in, me, that's that's yeah.
0: <laughs> certainly because I mean some people they I imagine they're they're running around Europe and then all of a sudden they say you know what let's go to Switzerland and like oh shit we don't. I like to take a tour through the Alps or something like that, and they they do it exactly. spontaneously, and and they haven't lugged their laptop, and they don't want to go into a cyber cafe. They just, they, but they got Wi-Fi because Wi-Fi is all over Europe, so boom, uh, they would want to do it on their app. Uh, to me, that's a, definitely a high priority
1: thing. Exactly, for, for and, the and we've we, we've been investing a lot into content, uh, so a lot of video content being created by sending people on tours, getting really high quality stuff, and and by professional videographers bringing that back in and actually creating really nice documentaries or, you know, shorter videos, that sort of thing, um, as well as great written content. And we feel that the, the mobile app will be a nice way of, you know, highlighting some of that stuff, uh, and inspiring people to, you know, if you're in Switzerland, you know, what are the things or what are the areas of Switzerland you should actually go and do? Uh, and then obviously find some trips around that, 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 that actually makes sense. You
0: know. So how Travis does the algorithm work, uh, search algorithm work? So if I'm in there, I'm typing in Nebraska, for example, how do I, how do you guys determine or maybe not Nebraska let's pick something a little bit more
1: uh, competitive A, bit, a bit like more higher up yes yeah, so. you know, like
0: Las Vegas or uh, uh, Paris how about that that's the the absolute pinnacle so I type in yeah. Paris how do you determine like all the different tour operators the tour options there's there's a trillion
1: yeah. Yeah, there is. And so uh, the way I would say is that we actually don't target the people going at city level. So that's more like your uh, Viator with TripAdvisor, even get your guide. Um, We we aim to go uh, one level up, which is region. So let's take Tuscany or even a country, so uh, Croatia, Um, because people say, look, I'd love to go to Croatia, but... I actually don't know what there is to see there, where I can go, what I can do. Um, so people type in Croatia, for example, and then we surface based on where you're located, uh, and and through a bunch of other things that I don't understand. The tech guys, uh, obviously, the ones doing all that. Um, and but you know, things like reviews and and the how many photos they've got and and things like that are, are super important because it's about the user experience. Can we give the customer? as much information as possible about that tour so that the person can make a decision to buy without having to reach out to us, without having to pick up the phone. Uh, they can kind of self-serve and actually say, look, this has got all the things I need, I've answered, had all my questions answered, and now I want to go ahead and book it. Got it,
0: okay, and so what's curious is that if somebody wants to drill down onto the city level, like, is it is it possible, like, let's say I say, you know, I want a tour of, the louvre in paris the the, mm-hmm. the museum is that not going to pop up no nope.
1: unfortunately not yeah. Really? <laughs> so yeah really? yeah we you know we've found our our niche and and that's what we're anything below 3 days we pretty much don't touch um oh, so okay. yeah okay. so that's the way we differentiate ourselves between uh, the other types of marketplaces out there okay well
0: that's an important point to make because uh, when i think yep. tours a lot of times i think of these half day tours, one day tours, that kind of stuff. Not just the one week tour up uh, Mount Everest.
1: Correct, yeah, (laughs) so the sweet spot for us is around 12 days, Uh, 12 to 14 days are the trip lengths that are being booked. Uh, But it depends on the destination. So if it's a destination which requires shorter trips, it could be five to eight days, the the trip length. Uh, But yeah, typically it's anything below three days, we don't really uh, sell on the platform.
0: Okay, so, but then going back to the, the same question, in a different way. So then if I pick Italy, how does it how do you distinguish from all the different Italian tours, uh, you know, because you got to mix in Sardinia with uh, Sicily with Tuscany. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, there's so many regions just in Italy and, and you can easily spend a week in any one of those re- regions.
1: Exactly, and, and I think that's, that's up to us on the usability side uh, to highlight what are the ways you can dig down into to deeper levels. So if it's Sardinia or if it's Tuscany, uh, or you know through the filters we have you know on the side uh, or, or at the top of the page you can actually start to drill down and that's that's what's really useful is that you go from I don't know 500 tours in Italy down to you know selecting about four or five different filters and you can come out with three trips that actually match your profile uh, and that's the benefit of the technology and you see that on booking.com and you see that on trivago and those types of sites as well is that you can get really granular in your preferences uh, and that's what we want to get to as well and that's why we ask our tour operators to to give us basically everything they can about their trips uh so that it really is you know possible for someone to drill down and find something exactly for them
0: can somebody do like an advertising or sponsored thing so that they can turn up top of the results kind of like google when you type in google the google ads pop up because people are paid for that
1: yeah, no. So in, in terms of our algorithm, it's not a pay to play type thing. Uh, so we don't rank on, on commission rates or anything like that. No, we but, do it, but
0: whatever. Could, yeah. But, so,
1: but in terms of advertising, what you mean, no, we, we yeah. don't have anything like that. Who knows, you know, maybe down the line we'll have a very explicit something there for, yeah. uh, like Google do. Um, yeah. but at this stage we don't have any plans. For because
0: to now. me that seems like a obvious revenue stream for you to just charge Uh, some fee just like google ads does and then you display prominently this is a sponsored ad or whatever sponsored results so that when any whenever anybody types in italy i want my tour to pop up at the top and then they're paying tour radar for that privilege
1: yep they're they're things that we you know could consider in the future but for the moment it's not so how how
0: do you travis how do you guys make money how does tour radar make money
1: yeah, that's that's a nice thing. We're we're no different to traditional travel agents. So we take a commission upon sale. Um, so what it's kind, been of kind of commission
0: are you talking about?
1: It's anywhere from 15 to 20 percent typically okay. Okay. Um, so yeah it's, it depends on the the operator um, and the style of trips that sort of thing um, but yeah industry average I think is around 20% percent um, mm. I think in some you know you're paying 25 to 30 uh, especially as you get down to lower um, sort of value tours. Um, but yeah it's not something we don't mark up the trips um, you know to, to put that fat in there the, the tour operators in the past have had to always get distribution through traditional travel agents. So they've built the commission into their model. Um, so it's not like you know, there's another link in the chain or anything like that. Uh, we're just basically taking something that was done offline and bringing the process online.
0: Okay. And what are some advice, uh, advices that you would give, uh, travelers who are thinking about booking tours, either through tour radar or just general advice, That you've done, because obviously you've probably been on one or two tours. (laughs) So, what kind of advice would you give people? That's that that I think some people overlook.
1: I would say, uh, yeah, leverage the the granularity that we provide, uh, so you can really get down to, you know, do you want it to be active? Do you want it to be, you know, more cultural? Uh, So you really kind of pull out what are the things that you are really important to you, Um, if you're. Excuse me. If you're more of a budget traveler, um, then you might actually want to, you know, be more cost-conscious, but. We also have really high-end stuff. So, uh, for example, we onboarded river cruising uh, in the last eighteen months or so, uh, and that's five-star experiences that we have on there. So, you know, you've got trips there worth fifty, sixty thousand dollars for Mm -hmm. for one person, which is just crazy. But you know, that's it's all about you know what is your taste and what do you want. Uh, It's looking at the itinerary and it's also looking at what are the optional activities I can do on that trip because I think you you probably uh, again come coming back to when you think about tour you think I'm just doing what the itinerary says and that's it uh, but typically every single operator has a huge list of uh, optional activities that you can do on that trip um, that you basically can select whilst you're on the tour so you typically can't book those uh, pre uh, because the tour guide will say look you know because maybe the rafting trip's not running that day because the, the water's too high or something like that uh, so when you're kind of coming into the next destination uh, the guide will say to the group look you know in the next place in Innsbruck for example uh we have a rafting trip we have a hot air ballooning trip uh or you can do nothing and just take the day off and do your own thing Um, so it's kind of uh, asking or looking for the information of what are the other cool things that I'm actually going to do on that trip uh, would be probably the advice I'd say yeah
0: excellent and Travis what about any kind of guarantees you give to the customer regarding the success or the execution of the tour because let's face it some tour operators don't execute very well sure so what recourse does the customer have
1: Sure. So yeah, I mean, we're we're a marketplace. Uh, the the contract exists between the the tour operator and the customer directly, but we're here. You know, that's why we're here. That's why we have twenty four seven. That's why if anything goes wrong, uh, we're here to support where we can. Typically, when the customer is on the tour they have a higher chance of, of getting something sorted, dealing directly with either the guide or the company itself. Uh, if they're really not getting anywhere and just banging their head against the wall or are completely disappointed in what's happening, they can uh, call us and then we'll try and go, you know, raise it up or escalate it if need be. Um, typically we don't have to do that, um, but you know, we're there to mediate and, and to obviously make the customer happy that they get the best experience. So, um, so yeah, where the 24 seven thing is a big factor uh, because yeah, a lot of times a tour operator like the head office might only be open from nine to five Um, so we try and you know obviously uh, jump in and and help you know understand the situation and maybe we can resolve it on our side first if not we then try and you know work out how do we take that to the tour operator and and keep the customer happy
0: excellent okay so now I want to shift gears a little bit Travis I want to talk about how you guys you and your brother started this now one thing I'll note is that I've traveled to about 120 countries and every time I meet an Australian on the road They've always been out for like at least three months, if not six months or I mean, just like I've never met an Australian who says like, I'm on a one week or two week vacation, never. <laughs> yep. It's always at least two, three months. So I imagine you kind of got this travel bug in you as many Aussies do. So tell us a little bit about how you guys started up tour Radar.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm 14 years into my two year working holiday visa. So <laughs> uh, basically, yeah, I, I left Australia in 2003. Uh, and it was for a two-year working holiday visa in London. And Sean, my brother and co-founder, he was living in London already. Uh, basically, it was like, you yeah, know, it's great over here. You can earn decent money, you can travel, you can see the world, which, you know, a lot of Aussies, we're stuck on our island and we don't really get to see uh, much of the world from there. So we no. like to get away from it. Uh, hence why you meet a lot traveling. Uh, but yeah, we, we started out something actually in 2004, uh, which was the predecessor to tour radar and and funny that you say travel bug because the name of the site that we created was called Bugbitten.com, So it was to be, to be bitten by the travel bug. Um, and it was basically Facebook for, for travel. So, uh, back in 2004, we were the photo sharing platform for all the expats living in London. So, uh, a lot of them had no Facebook back then, uh, so they used us to share their drunken photos. in London but then also their travel photos whilst they're actually you know tripping around Europe or Africa um, and so we were super successful we had like 20,000 photos a day being uploaded back then uh, which was crazy you know like no one was really doing that uh, problem was social media just didn't exist. No one knew what it was. Um, and so we saw Facebook coming as well. Uh, my brother's the finance guy. So he was like, well, we can't just keep burning cash on servers and whatever else. We need to have a business model of some description. Um, and so that's when we pivoted to, to actually the tour related mm-hmm. side because we, we saw um, Booking.com, we saw Expedia, Skyscanner, for example, uh, you know, all doing this, you know, shifting a certain part of the travel industry online. And we saw there was no one doing it for tours, uh, and we were doing those trips, so we thought, why not give it a go? And then we overlaid the user-generated content from all of those trips that we were tagging, you know, from these travelers uh, onto the platform as well. So that was kind of the the very early days. Along the way, we tried way too many business models uh, to get us to here, uh, but then eventually worked out that the model that has been in place for the last 50 or 100 years, you know, in terms of taking a commission for a sale, was the one that we should have probably gone with in, in, in the beginning. So, uh, you know, but you learn uh, by, by trialing all these things.
0: Sure, and uh, you also have, uh, what, three rounds of venture capital?
1: uh actually quite a few more there's about five or six uh, oh, so we've had a, a few smaller ones in there um, but three considerable ones so we say series a series b and series c um, so the Series A was a, a $6 million round, our Series B was a $10 million round and the latest one was a $50 million round. So, uh, which was a nice justification from a, a Silicon Valley VC like TCV, um, who was invested into the likes of Expedia and Airbnb and HomeAway, uh, companies like that, you know, B2C uh, travel companies, uh, that they have the you know, belief that we can also become potentially you know, one of those kind of uh, global players in the travel market online. Yeah.
0: And so what would be then a potential, a lot of people don't care about this, but I've got that business background, Uh, (laughs) like the exit strategy, in other words, just potentially a a potential acquisition by one of these, uh, like Expedia could theoretically acquire you
1: there, there are acquisition, you know, potential. So obviously, uh, we've still got a long, a lot of things to prove. Uh, I think that's why no one's really jumped into this space. It's very complex. Um, there's a lot of moving parts with, yeah, you've got to connect the dots of the transport, the accommodation, the guides, the food. So it's not just a simple click and book a hotel. Um, uh, there's a lot of different things involved and, and also, um, you know, getting that content it's a very fragmented supply base yeah Um, so so basically you know we've been trying to to get that stuff done Um, so we've got to prove a lot of things uh, before we get to that sort of point Um, but you know with the funding we took we now have the you know option to go our own you know path of whichever way we want to go um so we just plan on you know keep building keep executing uh and then we'll see what happens along the way you know so which direction we get taken but for now um it's the first time we've had the chance to really just focus on the on the product and the business itself um and and that's what we're doing and and i'm sure opportunities will come up along the way and we'll start to work those things out down the line yeah.
0: If I gave you $10 million right now, Trav, and I say, okay, spend this to to build the business, mm-hmm. how much of that $10 million would you spend on getting, finding and getting more tour operators, convincing them to say, hey, put your tours on tour radar, versus how much money would you spend looking for regular travelers to book on tour radars? In other words, what's your emphasis on the supply or the demand?
1: Yep great question uh, because uh, a marketplace is all about supply and demand Uh, so you 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 can't have one without the other Uh, Mm -hmm. and i think that's what we began we started out on the supply side built it up then realized hey we had no demand Uh, so we weren't actually getting any bookings for those suppliers and then they weren't so happy so we've been spent time on the demand side now we're at a nice kind of equilibrium where we want to start building that at the you know same kind of rate Um, so we are investing very heavily so you know take the $10 million uh, thing, we'd probably invest 20, 30% into supply, Twenty, thirty, maybe 40% into the demand side and then people, you know, you need the technology uh, mm. to actually build the platform and scale uh, because as soon as you can have the right engineers and the right product managers and stuff like that, you can start to build great products that reduce the friction for the traveler um, and also the tour operators. So, and that's a key part of the, the whole marketplace. You, you've got demand, supply, and then the platform in the middle. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of balancing those things out.
0: So I also wanted to get from you, Trav, a good splash of cold water on the face of anybody who says, you know what, I want to get into the travel industry. I'm so passionate about travel. Splash <laughs> some cold water in their face and say, you know what, think this one through, because they're imagining they're going to spend their days at the Four Seasons and they're going to go to Vienna and they're going to go to whatever the nice you know, Tokyo or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but This notion, I imagine, is more fairy tale than it is the reality. Tell us a little bit about the hardcore reality of running a travel business.
1: Yeah, it's... (laughs) I think you talk to anyone in the travel industry and they're all like, why would you, why would anyone ever want to do that? Like, you know, it's, it's a, you know, razor thin margins and it's hard and you've got customers to deal with. And, you know, so it's, it's not easy, but you know, I think the, the thing that we love about it is that our mission is to, you know, connect people to life enriching travel experiences. And, and that's great for people coming to work every day is that they're actually doing something that's making the world a better place. It's getting people to travel, it's getting them to meet other cultures, to be, you know, exposed to other things. And whereas you're not coming to work and actually, uh, you know, selling widgets or or something like that. And so that's a really important part, which I think is the benefit of the travel industry. Um, But it's not easy. Like, you know, it definitely, you know, is not a, uh, there's, there's not some not fun jobs that you need to do uh, to actually make the entire process work. So, uh, and in terms of, uh, yeah, get jumping into this space or jumping into online travel and being an entrepreneur, uh, there's been a lot of graveyards, you know, and a lot of funding and a lot of money that's come into this space, uh, you know, just generally in online travel. And I think social travel planning would be probably one of the the biggest space that uh, has the most, most graveyards. Um, and it's, it's not easy to make money in, in this area. So affiliate programs, you can't, there's not enough revenue there, you know, to, to, to stay in a business out of an affiliate program, um, you know, unless you're in a very targeted niche, and then you can actually leverage that. Um, so yeah, it's a it's not easy, uh, but it's also super challenging. And the thing I love about it is that even though I can't travel and do all these things, uh, when I'm browsing through and seeing Costa Rica or Sri Lanka or whatever on the site. It, it's just bucket list, you know, continue to get longer and longer. And I mean, I saw your uh, you know, bio was that you want to travel the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm bloody jealous that you're actually you've done over 100 countries already. So I think I'm only at like 50 or something like that. Um, so, so yeah. yeah, there's not enough time to travel and uh, too many things to do at the moment. So.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. But Australians are certainly the kings of, of the travel. Uh, so I, I, I'm hopeful for your your future there for, for being able to finally travel and get out. Um, what is, uh, any other words of wisdom that you would give to people, um, who are considering getting a tour, any other things that you would say, okay, look out for this or watch out for that, that we might've missed.
1: Yeah. I, I think I touched on it slightly. Uh, one thing that is probably under underrated and, and probably mm. not really understood completely is the friendship factor. Uh, so mm. pretty much every single person you talk to who's done a tour mm. has one or two people that they met on that tour that they're still in contact with. Yeah. Um, typically it could be five to ten. Uh, I know Sean, my brother, he went on a Kentucky tour back in the day, you know, around Europe uh, this is probably 25 years ago or 20 years ago now, and he's still in touch with two or three of those. Um, and so I think that's the, the thing that's underestimated that the people you'll meet, and it's just in travel in general, like, you know, sure. that you'll meet people on that tour. But the cool thing about it, we see it, you know, in Facebook groups and, and also in, in reviews and stuff like that, we see is that people say, I did this tour with uh, these five people and now next year we've already booked on to uh croatia or costa rica or something like that um you know with the same people on a different group uh because they had such a good time so i think the friendship side is something that's probably underrated uh and to really just think about that and and to just take the leap of faith as well if you're going if you've got time off you've got cash and none of your friends do just do it you know it's that's the purpose of a tour it makes it easy yeah
0: right no that's certainly true and i think that's a lot of people when they go to Europe especially because Europe is so f- rich when it comes to monuments and physical objects and churches and things to look at that sometimes we forget about the human element of let's yep. say either meeting a local or meeting somebody in your tour and actually connecting with them because in the end a lot of those can be the richest travel experiences Absolutely. of all. Um, yep. Are you getting involved at all in Africa? Because I just came back from 54 African countries. Uh, I-, I imagine <laughs> In some ways, Africa seems like a perfect place because so many people are concerned and worried about Africa that mm-hmm. they they want to be have a you know a handheld tour. Um, on the other hand, there's a lot of countries in Africa like Chad or Guinea-Bissau that are really not tourist oriented.
1: Yep. I think Africa is a, a great example of a place you'd want to do a tour um, because y- y- your safety your you know sometimes you, you're not sure I mean you're probably a bit on on the more adventurous side, but there's people who uh, yeah aren't so keen to get out of their comfort zones and and to have someone, kind of holding your hand and, and knowing how you're getting from A to B and, and how you do this border crossing and, and what you should and shouldn't do or say or that sort of thing. That's the that's the purpose of a, of a tour. And so Africa, for sure, we have it on the platform. Uh, it's not one of our biggest sellers because it is a little bit more adventurous. Um, so Europe uh, definitely is that kind of you know easier step for people to take when they want to go traveling because uh, a lot of our customers are Australians and Americans. Um, so, you know, to go to that next step of Africa. It's a bit more. Um, uh, but yeah, we're, we're definitely doing more and more into that area. So, overland trucks, uh, you know, safaris, that sort of thing. Uh, the, the area that we don't really do so much yet, and, and that could change in the future, is on the tailor-made side. So, if you come to us and you really want us to put together a completely custom experience, um, it's not something we do today. Um, we'll probably eventually have a team that will look after those sort of things, uh, but we're more about getting people onto um, you know these experiences that probably meets 90% of what you actually wanna do anyway, um, but costs you 40% less. Um, right. And you know, you've know got the benefit of traveling with someone else, but if it's your honeymoon, you may not wanna actually do you know, a group experience. So, um, And I think there's quite a few trips in Africa which are kind of the honeymoon type trips or, right. or maybe dedicated family type trips. Um, so, so yeah, it's not a huge thing for us, but it's something we're gonna grow into. Yeah.
0: Excellent, so everybody wants to go to to a radar.com that's with two R's. Yes, yep. Actually, no, there's really three R's in the name.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... at, at, well, at the end, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> in but the that's... middle, there's two R's, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. great. Uh, Travis, uh, any last words of wisdom before we go?
1: No, uh, really, I think it's about... Uh, getting out of your comfort zone. I think so many people are just stuck in the kind of, you know, rat race of their jobs and they don't, I think they think travel to an exotic place is is really hard. And that's what I I love about tours is that it's basically travel simplified. So uh, you could pretty much book a tour to vietnam or anywhere in the world and not do a single bit of research right literally jump on a plane turn up you're traveling with a local guide you're doing all the local things so you don't need to do this massive amount of research and that's the thing i love about tours um, and that's something that we really want to push uh and and show people that you can literally kind of click book go and not really think about it and still experience you know some pretty amazing stuff
0: Yeah, and I think also to remind people that that tours are not always super highly structured. Some of them are, but uh, I think sometimes it can be a marriage saver because maybe one spouse wants to have the structured tour and the other one wants to be the independent traveler and then you can actually do both when you book a tour. In other words, you're not always uh, in this highly structured event. But I think what I always tell people, because... Frankly, a lot of independent travelers are extremely snobby and it pisses me off because (laughs) to me, yeah, I've been to a lot of places independently, but that doesn't make me better. You know, they they look sometimes down at the tour thing. I'm like, I always tell people, get out of the house.
1: (laughs) That's all I ask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I don't care if you walked one block to a block that you've never been to or you go to uh, Zimbabwe. What matters is... Get out of the house. That's the most important thing. So
1: exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, just, and just on the, on that point, just uh, where you mentioned about the marriage saver thing, uh, we've had uh, quite a bit of feedback from people where they say the thing they really like about the tour is that the the husband or the wife might not actually be a um, you know someone who likes to socialize or go drinking or, or go out and party or whatever it is, and another one might be a bookworm or it loves to watch movies or whatever. So at night times they're actually fine. It's great because, you know, one can go off and do the thing they want to do and the other one can just sit at home and and or sit in the hotel room, relax, take a bath, whatever it is. Uh, and it actually works quite well in that way. So we've had some instances where, you know, not save marriages, but it definitely, you know, has, uh, made the traveling a little bit more fun and, and everyone feels satisfied by it. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So thank you so much, Travis. And no I wish you the best of luck at tour radar and, thank uh, you. we'll be in touch.
1: Thank you so we much, look for, We
0: look forward to the app in mid-2019.
1: We'll be looking so, forward. The care. product and engineering team have no pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah.
0: And that concludes this episode of the WanderLearn podcast, where we explore travel technology and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to WanderLearn.com and click on the latest episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember Ftapon, that's my first initial and my last name. Ftapon is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. Here's one last reason to remember Ftapon. If you like what I do and want to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash, yep, you guessed it, ftapon. That's where you can pick up some sweet rewards for as little as $1 a month. And remember, subscribing to the WanderLearn podcast helps, but downloading each episode helps even more. Please share the podcast, review it, and sign up for my newsletter at WanderLearn.com. This show was edited by Rejoice Tapon. The music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.